When Jesus walks on the water, it seems that we are less than surprised. Sure, it's unusual, but he's the son of God. And earlier that day, he'd fed 12,000 people with just a few loaves and a couple of fish. He'd also healed many diseases. So when Peter's bold enough to ask if he can get out of the perfectly good boat and do some water walking, we need to ask some big questions like, what's going on? Hi, and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us today from wherever you find yourself. We're journeying through Matthew's story of Jesus at the moment. And the last thing that we heard was the account of Jesus feeding 5,000 men as well as all the women and children who were there. And this, this is what happens next. Matthew 14 verses 22 to 33 Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the lake. But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started to walk on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. One of the things we're supposed to do together is to ask, what if? And that's what I'm going to do today. Every sermon I've ever heard preached about this strange event, this moment where Jesus comes walking on the water and, and Peter gets out of the boat and does the same for a moment. They've always been about having enough faith or enough courage to get out of the boat and to try to walk on the water. In fact, I've preached that sermon exactly like that. But as I said, I want to pull on a different thread today and to see where that leads. Matthew has just told us uh, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. 5,000 men as well as women and children. That was last week's message. If you want to watch or listen on the website, if you missed it, you can do. But it's worth us reminding ourselves just for now that when everyone was fed, it was an echo back to a point in the people's story. Their time in the wilderness where they wandered around for 40 years. Jesus feeding the people is a reminder of the time where God provided manna, bread from heaven, so that the people wouldn't go hungry. And so that they would learn to rely on God. And it's a moment where they and we should say, ah, that means that Jesus is God. How else would they be able to do that? So if today's story is a continuation of that thought, then perhaps this water escapade isn't only about what we think it's about. Jesus has finally got some peace, 
Remember, his cousin John had been executed. He'd spent the day healing people, being moved to his guts with compassion, and then he fed everyone with five loaves and two fish. And now, well, now the crowds have been sent home, and he's sent his friends away in the boat. They're heading back to the other side, back to the villages where they live. Early in the morning, the wind has got up, and the boat is being smashed by the waves. And through the gloom and the spray, the disciples see a figure walking on the water. They have a perfectly normal reaction to that. They're terrified. And who wouldn't be? But Jesus speaks to them. Do not be afraid. But Peter wants confirmation. Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. Jesus said, come. Jesus says, come. I've always read that as, okay, sure, out you get. But this is one of those moments where, well, the translator has made a choice. The Greek word used means something much more like, um, if you like, if you're sure, but it's up to you. And for me, that's enough to make me wonder. Just yesterday, Jesus was in full God mode, making food for everyone, manna in the wilderness. Now, now he's doing another thing that God does. Jesus is passing by. It happens to Adam and Eve in the garden. They hear God walking in the garden. God passes by. But it also happens to Moses. God places Moses in a gap between the rocks and then God passes by. Passing by is a close encounter with God. And here is Jesus, passing by, walking on the water, being all God-like, again, just like yesterday, but different. If the feeding of the 5,000 is a reminder about who God is and that the people should remember to rely only on God, then why isn't this a story about the same kind of thing? After all, it's a continuation of that same story. Peter's request is usually seen as a passionate desire to be where Jesus is, doing what Jesus does, whatever the cost. But why should he be where Jesus is? Why should he be doing what Jesus does? What if this, rather than being a story about Peter taking a chance or stepping out in faith, what if it's actually a story about Peter failing completely to recognise who Jesus is? Let me explain. The wanderings of the people of Israel in the wilderness last for 40 years because they just don't seem to be able to trust in God and follow some pretty basic rules. God gives them 10 rules, 10 commandments to help them live well together. And As they develop their relationship with God, they work out how those rules should be applied and they add some more to help cover some of the other parts of their lives. One of those rules appears in a story near the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus is alone in the wilderness for 40 days. In chapter 4 we read that Jesus is taken to the top of the temple and challenged to jump off because the angels will save him. Jesus' response is no. No, you shouldn't put God to the test. It's one of the failings of the people of Israel in the wilderness. 
they're always asking God to show that, well, that he's real. Show us a sign. Give us some food. Give us water. Stop us getting sick. Give us somewhere to live. Help us to win a battle. Jesus passes the test. I'm not sure that Peter does at all. Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, command me to come out onto the water to you. That sounds like a test to me. If it's really you, and to be honest, I'm not sure, at least not 100%, I have doubts. I need confirmation. So if you just tell me to come out onto the water with you, then then I'll believe. And Jesus' response is, come. Um, If you like, if you're sure, it's up to you. It's more of a question than an invitation. It's the kind of thing a parent says to a child when when they know that the child is about to do something wrong, to, to make a bad choice, that whatever they want to do, it's not going to end well, but but they need to have that experience for themselves so that they can learn from it. If you like. If you're sure. It's up to you. And Peter gets out of the boat. And for a moment he's doing it. And then he starts to sink. Because he's afraid. Peter is exactly what Jesus has told him not to be. Afraid. And as Jesus picks him up, and puts him back into the boat, Jesus leans in. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? I've always read that as, if only you believed more. If only you had believed more, you would have been able to walk in the water just like me. But I'm not sure that that's what Peter is getting around for. Peter didn't believe in Jesus in the first place. If it really is you, Sinking was just confirmation of that. The day before, the disciples had witnessed something amazing. The feeding of all those people. Perhaps they did what we did last week. Perhaps they explained it away. It was just people sharing their food. Not even taking time to think through the implications of that kind of change of heart. The lessons from it. That to be moved by the need of your neighbour is exactly what Jesus asks us right at the start of Matthew's Gospel, what we call the Beatitudes. The disciples, those closest to him, the ones who have seen and heard all of it, still don't really understand who Jesus is. So when he comes walking on the water, their first response should have been the one that they get to eventually. Truly you are the Son of God. But it's not. They're afraid. And Peter blurts out a test. A test he thinks is for Jesus, but it's really a test for himself. And Peter fails it miserably. Jesus gets into the boat and the storm stops. And then they realise what they should have known all along. Truly you are the Son of God. Even the winds and the waves obey him. But how else would they have been walking on the water? Matthew's Gospel is all about the identity of Jesus. It reveals to us bit by bit who he is. He is God. Here, beside us, like us, but not us. We take that journey of discovery along with the disciples. 
we see what they see, we catch glimpses here and there, we wonder, and slowly we understand, coming to our own conclusions in our own time. Peter, Peter should have stayed in the boat and not been afraid, because that's what he was asked to do. If he had just believed, believed when Jesus first appeared walking on the water, believed when he was told not to be afraid, believed that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. But it's a hard lesson when you think you know better, when you think you can do something that you can't, when you think you can be something or someone that you're not. If you like, if you're sure, it's up to you. It's a lesson we're all invited to learn. Again and again and again. The temptation is to try to be like God. To do the things that God can do. To take on the things that are God's. Perhaps the lesson here for Peter and for us is to recognise when God shows up. To listen to what God says to us and to believe that We do not need to be afraid, even when the storms of our own life threaten to overwhelm us. God is there, with us, always. Of love that is owed by this thankful. 
God, you come to us early in the morning, the wind howling, the waves crashing, the world unravelling around us. You come to us walking on the water, proclaiming peace, and we feel anything but peaceful. Somewhere in our fear, in our limited understanding, we decide that we must be water walkers to earn your love. So forgive us when we step out of the boat to test ourselves and to test you, to shore up our faith, our egos, our fear. You don't call us out to test our faith. You call us out in love, to be loved. And you are always by our side. So comfort us when the waves rock the boat. Steady us. When the wind is up and our guard is down. Challenge us to live our faith from grace's perspective. Knowing you match our steps stride by stormy stride. When uncertainty and incivility crash and blows about. And we choose the immediacy of partisan politics over the pastoral patient presence of your kingdom. Call your peace to us God over the wind and the waves. As hidden hurricanes lay waste to our souls, while outwardly we stroll in the eye of the storm. Walk with us, God, through the wind and the waves. In the threatening threshold of dawn's uncertainty, may your voice roll upon the waters, filling our hearts with peace and our heads with courageous kindness. Unlike our courage and commitment from our need for success, disconnect the assurance of your incarnation from the perfection of our faith. Make us bold in our loving, 
less afraid of failure, and more accepting of the dynamic dance of faith and doubt, wind and waves, life and eternity. Amen. We go from this time with God's blessing, God who is known to us as Father, Son and Holy Spirit, with us always, now and forever. Amen.